welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. We are in uh, the second to the last message of this series. Yep. I... Uh, amen. Can anybody name them all? There, uh, just so you know, this is, I think, number 25. Uh, and yes, I can name them all. They're right here. <laughs> um, this one is called promotion. I've kind of built up to this one. I have, I have, I hope, I pray honestly, that you have understood all of the things that I've done on the dynamic of the kingdom. We started off in John chapter 3, and I tried to explain that there are people, um, as part of Christianity that can see the kingdom, and then there are people that are in the kingdom. The, the difference is born again, and honestly filled with and following the Spirit. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you need to read John chapter 3 and you don't have a Bible, raise your hand because you have got to get this. I would say the majority of the body of believers in Christianity are people looking at the kingdom. Looking at the kingdom is, well, I know God wants to heal me and I ain't healed. Well, I know God wants me prospered, but I'm not prospered. I know God wants me to have joy and peace, but I ain't got none of that stuff going on in my life. You see the kingdom. You know it's there. You know it's real. You know that it's for you. You're just not there. That's a, that's a saved and stuck believer. Somebody born again and not living in eternal life. Everybody have a Bible? All right. Uh, then there's actually people who um, who realize that there's this whole, I don't know, realm of Christianity, which is where you actually get in it. And by getting in it, it's the same thing as like saying, everybody in here knows that there's oceans. But only the people that have been on a beach, that have played in the water, that have, you know, Felt the wave crash against you. Only those people really, when I say ocean, you like, oh yeah, you actually have a, a cognitive understanding, a connection, an experience with the ocean. You can watch it on TV all you want. You can hear other people talk about it, which is a lot of Christianity. You watch it, you hear about it, you even read about it. But actually getting in the water, getting wet getting sand in your shorts, the whole thing, understanding every part of the dynamic of that, the majority of folks don't really have a connection to that. That's being in the kingdom. And the Lord wants everybody there. Everybody has an invitation. 
And the problem is, is that the kingdom that most of us have lived in for the majority of our lives is a kingdom of our own building. We built it. We've made our emotional life the way that it is. We've allowed ourselves to be victimized by people and situations and stuff and things. We've, um, we've chosen our own career paths or <laughs> been thrust into one. And you say, wow, since I make money here, nobody, <laughs> when you were a kid, I will guarantee that there probably isn't a single person in this room that when you were five years old and someone said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? That you're actually doing that. Because you just got a job, started making some money, and you got thrust into life, and so now you're basically just a cog in the wheel. You're a slave in the system. And then we try to spiritualize it. Well, I'm, you know, I'm doing good stuff with my money. Okay. You, you weren't called to do good stuff with your money. You were called to be who you were created to be. Amen. That self-created kingdom that the majority of people live in, honestly, is more attractive than the actual kingdom that God created for us to live in. And I know that this is probably shocking or offensive, or you're probably even disagreeing with me. But I'm telling you, I've been doing ministry for 24 years, and I cannot tell you Larry and I were just talking about... Where's Larry? There you are. Hey. Uh, Larry and I were just talking about this last week. Because uh, Larry, uh, Stacy, Mom, uh, Cinderella, uh, there's just a few, literally just this little tiny number of people that were here from the very beginning. And the Downses. Uh, <laughs> I, I see. I seen you looking. I seen you looking. Zach. <laughs> Uh, the Downs family has seven children, um, and so there's nine total. And Zach, uh, the oldest son, was the first one to ever stumble into Beloved Church when we were having church in the funeral home in Pearl City. And he, by stumbling in, he was, he could have potentially been chasing my cute niece. And, uh, I won't look at him because he'll, he'll give me the evil eye. And then he like got super like in love with Jesus and forgot about my niece, which probably worked out well because now he's got two really cutesy kids and an amazing wife and, and a life all to his own. So I'm really glad for the reason that he came, but I'm really even gladder. Is that a good word? That he stayed for what he stayed for. Anyway, uh, so... Larry and the Downses and, and uh, Stace and Mom and, and Cinderella were like here from the very get-go. And me and Larry were just talking about this uh, last week that he's like, you know, since, we, since I've been coming, I, we have probably seen about 500 different people come through. Come in, hear the greatest sermon ever, send you thank you cards, da 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 and then get offended about whatever, and then they're, they're gone. And I'm like, yeah, the lifespan... In a spirit-filled church that actually has the Holy Spirit moving amongst them is about six months. It's about six months. Some people stretch it out to a year. <laughs> um, but the, the reality is in a spirit-filled church, when you start teaching people to hear the voice of God, what they do is they start saying that the voice of God is leading me to do my thing 
because it's going to make me feel better. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's that old kingdom calling you back. God's kingdom is, just like I said, it's you allowing Him to assemble you where you're supposed to be. You don't tell Him where you want to be. It's, it's funny, I, you guys all know that I used to run business. Uh, uh, I had a large position in a, in a big billion dollar company, and it was it was always uh, comical to me how many people would come to me and they said, well, okay, well, let me tell you what I can do for you. Let me tell you what I'm going to add to your organization. Let me tell you all the great things I'm going to change and develop because obviously you're an ignoramus and I've been sent by God to come and help you out. Like I'm always like, oh, God bless you. Thank you for coming and you're not hired. And I wonder how many of us come to God that way. God, here I am. That's right, took me a while to get here, but here I am. I'm here to fix your kingdom for you. You just line them up, and I'll get them all fixed for you. Jesus, stand back, watch this. And the, God is way more gracious than I am. God will be like, oh, that's so cute. You just go ahead. Oh, did you fall down? Yep, I'll help you with your little scraped knee. And look at you cry and cry. Isn't that glorious? I would be like, hey, you fell down. How's your knee feel? (laughs) Difference between me and Jesus. (laughs) Your kingdom is more comfortable to you. You built it. You know the parameters. You like the colors. You like all the actors that are in your movie. You, you know them all by name. You know exactly what they're going to do. It's, uh, it's familiar. You, you know how, you know, when they do this, then I'm going to do this. And in the kingdom, it ain't yours. There's all of these things that are way different than everything you've experienced in your life. Somebody else is in charge. That by itself, to all of our American ears, is enough to keep us out. Because you have to be in charge of your life. The, the funny thing is, multiple times I've had somebody sit in my office and, and, I'm, and they, they need help. And I'm like, hey, uh, who's been in charge of your life? I have. It's re- so how's that worked out for you? Terrible. Are you ready to stop? No. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming. Come, come back when you are ready. I had to. The, the life that Steve Castle built. <laughs> Ooh. Praise God, that guy's dead. Man, he was a terrible jerk. Filthy, nasty, disgusting. You, here's how terrible he was. Mom barely loved him. All of you that know me, she only loved me and like because she had to. Like it was required by law to love me. Like, I, well, I can't kill him. He's my kids. So guess I'll have to let him. But I was that terrible. Like, thank God he's dead. And when I switched over, I'm like, hey, look at this awesome kingdom. And then I destroyed it and burned it to the ground and buried it in the depths of hell. And then I started entering again. I'm like, oh, this is way better. This is, this is glorious. 
I don't have to build this. The, the great carpenter can build it. I don't have to maintain it. I don't have to pay for it. There's no taxes on it. It came by grace, not by my performance. There's love and goodness. And then I also recognized that it was, it was kind of generally sparse. I had a whole ton of folks up in there. God wants to bring you in. Hopefully you've, you've got that over the 20 whatever messages before this, that God wants you to be in that. Submitted to it. Really, honestly, getting through those gates is going to be the process of humility and submission. And you've heard this in probably every message that I preached. And everybody nods and everybody amens. Humility, submission. We're with you, Pastor. We're good Christians. Okay. Let me ask you this. Don't answer. Answer up here to yourself. How much does your life look like it? How much divine health are you living in? How much legitimate prosperity, not money, prosperity, are you living in? How much peace? How much joy? How much are you surrounded by authentic people that love you, would do anything for you? How regular is it to see the king and experience him. If those if you can't say that those things are regular in your life, you're just not there. I'm not being mean. I'm not picking on you. I'm not condemning you or judging you or anything like that. I'm just saying you're not there. Which means submission and humility is just something that you are not capable of at this moment. Just recognize it. Just recognize it. If you can deal with it over time, then please do. If you can't, then at least be authentic and say, not me. I like the worship around here. I like the color purple. I'll keep coming, but I'm just not going to do that. And we're okay with that. We like the worship too. We'll keep... Making turkey dinners for you on Thanksgiving. It's totally cool. But really, honestly, what, uh, what energizes all of us? Every Tuesday we have a staff meeting. And what energizes all of us is seeing people getting deeper and deeper and deeper into that kingdom and watching things in their life become glorious and awesome and amazing and we sit there and we talk and we pray for you and we and we cry together talking about some of your lives and the things that have happened in your lives and there and you can come and you can hang out you can be a spectator you can sit in the stands and you can watch the game and you can cheer us on and that's cool that's totally cool but we don't want to be cheered on we don't want to win we want you to win <laughs> That's being in the kingdom. It takes submission and humility to go through those gates. Once you're in there, the Lord wants to promote you. And that's the the title of today's message is promotion. And I know this sounds kind of contrary to grace because grace is God's unearned, unmerited favor. 
which means you can't earn it. You can't do anything to get it. You can't do anything to get rid of it. But there are things you can do to cooperate with it. God showers grace on everybody equally. But people do not receive equally. God loves us all the same. But not all of us are loved by God the same. God desires... uh, incredible, successful lives for everybody in here equally. And a ton of people are absolutely destroyed. There are people in this room that are living zombie lives. Wake up, do the thing, clock in, clock out, finish the thing, go home and try to inoculate yourself with a glowing screen or a six-pack or whatever your thing is. It is not what you were created to do. You are created to live a divine life. To have a divine marriage. Divine health. Divine prosperity. Divine joy. Divine peace. And He makes that freely available to everyone. But not everyone receives it. He wants to promote you in His kingdom. He wants, you, he wants to take you from outside the kingdom, staring at it, saying, wow, these are the most beautiful walls, and look at that big pearl gate. Those of you that remember last week's message. Look at that big pearl gate. This is the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And you can feel the radiance of the glory, and you can feel the warmth of the love radiating from it. And God wants to call out to you and say, hey... It's better inside. And then you submit. And you humble yourself. And you allow Him to take you by the hand as your good shepherd and lead you to the inside. But it's not just being on the inside because there's all these things in the kingdom. There's a doorkeeper. And the psalmist said, it's better to be a doorkeeper for a day than a thousand days elsewhere. And that is totally true. Totally true. And if if that was all that I could ever achieve, a doorkeeper is awesome. But God doesn't need a a billion doorkeepers. There's only 12 doors. Those of you that have read Revelation, you'll figure that out. He needs people that are going to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are going to be people that are that are healers and people that are encouragers and exhorters and people that are, uh, that are uh, leading and fathering and discipling. and Like there's all of these possibilities inside the kingdom to do all these amazing things. So he wants to promote you after you're in. Luke chapter 12, these are our foundational verses out of 31 and 32, and I'm going to actually do that thing where I'm going to read through the rest of the verses instead of just reading our foundational verses. So if you can find Luke 12, we're going to be there for a minute. In 31, it's, Jesus said, but rather seek. Remember in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, seek first. Seek first. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. In Matthew, when Jesus said that, he said, and his righteousness. 
Righteousness is being in right standing with Him. If I'm righteous with Josiah, that means that that Josiah believes that I am in right standing with Him. So having righteousness of God or in God means that you're in right standing with God. The word righteousness actually is a legal term, which means after a thorough investigation, you have been found to have no guilt. You have been found to have no guilt. Or in other words, you are innocent. After a thorough investigation, you've been declared innocent. That's actually what righteousness, because righteousness and justification are the same thing. You've been declared to be innocent. So when you have the righteousness of God, that means God did a thorough investigation. And then God declared you innocent of everything that you've been charged with. The reason you're innocent is because someone else paid for it. And you cannot have double jeopardy in the kingdom. So seek His kingdom, not yours, His kingdom and His righteousness. You have to allow God to minister to you your innocence. You look at yourself in the mirror, you don't see innocent. You reflect on your day at the end of the night and you probably are not reflecting on all of the innocence. You have to seek this. It doesn't come natural. When you do, all of the gifts that God has for you to manifest in this natural life will be added to you. So if they're not being added to you, then you're probably not doing your part. God is faithful. He'll do His part. Promise. Scout's honor. God will do His part. If you are cooperating with your part. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. Through faith. It's not just grace. If it was just grace, everybody would be saved, everybody would be healed, everybody would be happy, everybody would be awesome. Can anybody know that that's not the case? Especially in the church. You are saved by grace. Grace is God's part. Free, unmerited favor. Jesus is the grace of God. Through faith. Faith is your part. So God dispenses grace. And then you believe that God has brought grace to your life. And then by faith, you reach out and you receive the grace that he has and you bring it into your life. And then salvation takes place. Salvation of your soul, salvation of your marriage, salvation of your, of your emotions, salvation of your finances, salvation of your body. It's all sozo. Different aspects of the same reality. Colossians 2.6 says that as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. Which means the same way that we came to Him by grace through faith is the same way that we walk every single day. You don't ever mature to the place where you don't need grace. And you don't ever mature to the place where you don't need faith. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
And, here's the important part, we are created unto good works. Amen. A lot of people separate that. They think, well, I'm, I'm saved. That's it. I, I've, I've achieved. No, you got a toe in the kingdom. There's all of this amazing universe that God wants you to experience. You are create, you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. If you are not doing His works, if they are not manifested in your life on a regular basis, then you really truly haven't walked out the salvation that God has for you. So back to our core verses. God will add all of these things to you as you are doing these other things. The next verse says, fear not, little flock. Man, this is such a blessing to me. The majority of people make decisions in their life based upon fear and money. Those are the two reasons that people make 95% of their decisions. And I have been very purposeful and I ain't making any of my decisions in my life based upon either of those two. And it's amazing when I started making the decisions to not have either of those two make any of my decisions, then I didn't have to make any of my decisions based upon those two. You can keep it your way if you want, but my way is better. Actually, his way. I just submitted to it. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure. You will be pleasing to God if you let him do this. Most people won't. They, they bite the hand that feeds them. Amen. But if you let him, you will experience his pleasure. And there's nothing like it. It is his pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I'm going to read through 33 to 38 without stopping. (laughs) Amen. Sell that you have and give alms. I'm resisting. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that fails not. Where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I am going to stop here. I want to highlight this. Because this is so important. I do this all the time. I know where my heart is based upon things that I'm treasuring. You know, and what's, one of the things that's so sad to me about this is there are people in this room and, and on our YouTube channel that their treasure is a, a, is a job. A dirty job 
where they accomplish nothing. They're literally just doing the task because they're getting the X dollars an hour. Or their heart is in a sports team. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have a grid for that. Some, there are people that, if you've had a sports team, if you've been a fan of a sports team for 10 years, you're a Green Bay Packer fan for 10 years, which is a sports team, I guess. <laughs> there probably isn't a single starting player on that team that has been on that for 10 years. Which means that you don't actually have value for the people. You literally, literally have value for a logo. And your value for that logo is greater than your value for Jesus. And this is such an important principle. Your treasure, you could bring me your checkbook register and I can tell you what you treasure. You can bring me a, a legitimate and honest report of your time and I can tell you what you treasure. You could bring me an honest, legitimate report of your affection, your thought life, and I can tell you what your heart deeply, deeply treasures. And you would probably get mad at me, and it wouldn't be me. But I'm used to it. i got broad shoulders. People get mad at me all the time for pointing out the obvious. Because people really don't want the obvious. <laughs> they just want to feel better. Just tell me what I want to hear that makes me feel better. That makes all the pain go away. Most people do their spiritual life the way they do their natural life. Which is, I don't actually want to solve the, the health problem in my life. I just, don't, I just want the pain to go away. Can I just have an aspirin? Can I have a painkiller? Can I have a shot? Can I have, you know, I'm depressed all the time. Can you give me a pill? Do you want to deal with the depression? No, I'll just take the pill. Okay. People do their spiritual life the exact same way. I don't actually want to solve the root of the problem and let somebody talk to me about the deep places of my life. I just want the pain to go away. Okay, well, cool. Just come to church on Sunday morning, and when the worship's getting good, you'll, you'll get relieved. You'll get some relief, because it'll happen. God's grace works that way. And then on Tuesday, you'll have the pain. And then you can't wait for Sunday... So you can get another shot of the painkiller. Let your loins be girded about. I know that's, that's not English. What that means is in, the, in Bible days, they wore tunics, um, which were long. Uh, they went all the way down uh, to nearly the ground. And uh, they had belts that they wore this you'll understand this when you talk about put on the whole armor of god because the belt everything attached to the belt the belt is what hold, held the tunic on the belt is where all the armor are where all the weapons hung from your belt was where your your money bag was everything hung on the belt and so it was hard to work or to run with a tunic on ladies no is it easy to run in a dress, a skirt? No. And so, uh, because uh, guys and gal, everybody wore tunics, so the guys, in order to work or to run or to go fight, 
they would take the tunics and they would hike them up and they would put them around their waist and then they would tuck them into their belt. And basically it was like they had shorts on. So then they could go to war or they could run or they could go to work. That would be girding up their loins and it would attach to the belt which is at your loins. Let your loins, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And you yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. Now this parable makes no sense whatsoever if you think that any time the Lord knocks on your heart that you're just going to open wide up and He's going to come rushing in. If you believe that, this parable makes no sense. The Lord is specifically saying there are some places that the Lord comes and knocks and you don't answer the door. Well, not me. That's for that other spiritual, less spiritual person. That's for my spouse. I'm really spiritual. Okay, then that, then that makes no sense. Or possibly it makes sense because he's knocking in different places in all of our lives all the time. And we're saying, uh, hold on, I'm in the shower for a long time. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. That's who you want to be. Say, I want to be an immediate kind of person. Blessed are those servants, servants, whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Which means, while they're going about their life, they're literally looking for the Lord coming. They're not distracted. They're not so involved with what they're doing that they miss them. They're not enjoying their video game so much that they didn't know the doorbell rang. Whatever the thing is, like they're actually at all times, day and night, they're aware of the opportunity of the Lord coming. Not coming like end time. I know so many people think that the Lord, everything was heaven and hell, end time, and that was not his message. His message is the kingdom. What I'm saying here is that he's coming, he's knocking, he wants to bring more gifts of the kingdom into your life. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say, truly I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Jesus wants to serve you. And how many people say no? Man, think about that. I got this. Can I serve you uh, financially the way that I want to in your life? No, Lord. I'll go to work. I'll get a job. I'll clock in. I'll do it for 40 years. I'll get my pension. I got this. Okay. Okay. 
But, since you're here, can he take me to heaven when I die? Okay. If, if that's what you want, I'll serve you in that way. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he comes shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch, this is the middle of the night, and find them so blessed are those servants. 39. And this know, that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. If I was coming to rob you, and I said, I am going to be at your house and I'm going to rob you at 2.45 today, And my weapon of choice is a Nerf gun. How many of you would be robbed? Now, Jesus wasn't telling this parable because he's a thief. He was telling this parable because the Lord shows up in our lives... In unannounced times, in unannounced ways, when we least expect it. Man, I hope you got that. Amen. I have so many examples, but I don't have time. Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes at an hour... When you think not. Not when he thinks not. When you think not. This is so hard to move on. Then Peter said unto him, Petros, the, the guy that's kind of famous for popping off. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, do you speak this parable unto us or even to all? Most people skim right over this. Peter and the other eleven were very, very... It was a normal thing for them to to get special teaching and training. They were the disciples. They were so accustomed to it that Peter had to like, Hey, hold on. Um, Are you telling this parable just to us like the eleven? Or are you telling this parable because it applies to anybody anywhere? Here's, here's why I want to point that out. People who are not being discipled, you just get the generic. <laughs> Amen. The, the reason people don't get disciples is because being discipled is hard. <laughs> this is why people aren't standing in line to be discipled by me. Because the people being discipled by me are... Love it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but people don't want... They want the benefits of discipleship. But they don't want the growth pains. 
How many, how many ladies wanted to have a child, wanted to have the, the joy, the, the amazing experience of holding that, that suckling child and getting that, that mother connection and your heartbeat in them and just that, you know, and dress them up because you'd prepare when you're little girls, you gotta put, get your dollies and dress them all up and then you have a real baby and that's your thing. And in addition, how many of you gals that wanted to experience all that wanted to have the most awesome, largest, most visible stretch marks that you've ever seen in human history? They, they go together. When you develop an entire human being in your body in nine months, there is stretching that your skin was not prepared and ready for. My... She's giving me the eye. (laughs) Amen. Okay, let me say this. I think my wife's stretch marks are beautiful. Beautiful. I love them. Those stretch marks are the scars of her being a mother and giving me my children that I adore. Every time I look at them, I'm like, that's what my wife went through to make me a father and to give me my children. I think they are glorious. You know, there are scars in heaven that only one person has. His name is Jesus. And those scars are holes in his hands, holes in his feet, stripes on his back, holes in his forehead for you. And literally, if you read in Revelations, it says that they glow. He emanates the light and the glory of God from those scars because they were purchasing different parts of your life. In the same way that those stretch marks on my wife was her purchasing my children. In the same way in the Spirit as you allow the Lord to disciple and stretch you. You'll look back at those places where you were stretched in the future and you say, man, I am so glad I went through that. And most people won't. Most people won't. They'll have a barren womb and keep their cutesy little skin. I used to tell the teenage girls in our I don't do it so much anymore because so, it didn't work very well. But I used to tell the teenage girls in our church all the time because they were so in love with their... <laughs> Their yoga pants and their low cut stuff, and they were sh- they were advertising all the things that were for sale. And I used to tell them, I said, you know, whatever you advertise for sale, don't be shocked that you get a buyer. And when that person buys that, because they don't want your heart, they want that. When they buy that, and in ten years, when that doesn't look like that. Don't get mad that you get dumped for the other person that's advertising that 
If you advertise your heart, ladies, single ladies, single men, if you advertise your heart, your character, and then someone's buying, it's only going to get better day after day, year after year. Lord, do you speak this parable to us or to everyone? This is the Lord's answer. A lot of the commentaries say that the Lord ignored this question and he just carried on like, just like Peter, you're a dope, I'm not even going to answer it. I, I completely disagree. That is not how a discipler <laughs> disciples, I know. You, you take the question into consideration and you answer it in a way that most of the time the disciplee doesn't appreciate. Uh, all the ladies in the room, you know this. When you ask your husband a question, uh, and he answers with a question. You, you love that, don't you? Amen. Uh, well, he learned it from Jesus, so don't get mad at him. I'm, I'm protecting myself with that. That was a little selfish. We're going to move on. Verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? Faithful, wise, steward. Faithful, adjective. Wise, adjective. Steward, noun. Those of you that have been out of high school a long time, adjective describes a noun. And a noun is a person, place, or thing. So the noun is the character, the identity. The other two are descriptors, describing that noun. So who he is is a steward. And the character traits that the steward has is faithful, wise. Let's see what happens to a faithful and wise steward. In answering Peter's question about how this applies to all of us. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward who his Lord shall make ruler over his household? That's promotion. That's promotion. Ruler over household is way different than looking at the kingdom from afar, or even being in the kingdom and knowing that you're there. Ruling over a household is like a big deal. And I know some people don't really want to get to be a big deal in the kingdom, but some of us, like, we're all in. We want to be this. Like, that's why you're here today. Some of you are here maybe checking the box, but some of you are actually here because you want to have all of these things take place in your life. You want to see the fruit of everything that the Lord died to give. You want Him to be the root and you be the branch. You want everything that He bled for happen in your life. I'm speaking to you because you want to be promoted in the kingdom. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? The reason that he is a ruler of the household is to give to them, the people in the household, their portion of meat in due season. So promotion in the kingdom is you get to minister to more people. Yay! 
Because a lot of people don't want anything to do with people. When I was in Bible college, one of the teachers came in and he, and God bless him, I'm not, I will never name his name. And he said, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. And I know it's funny. And, and we all laughed. And then I went home that day and I'm like, there would be no ministry if it wasn't for the people. There'd be no Jesus if it wasn't for the people. There'd be no nothing if it wasn't for the people. Which is how most people's lives are. You're, you're not really concerned about people. You're concerned about you, so your life is zero. <laughs> it's a nada. Because it's about people. It's always about people. We turn it into stuff. Well, if I just had a bigger house and a better job and more money and a nicer car and a... Yeah, and by yourself. All alone. In your little prison cell with your nice car. Blessed is that servant. The word servant is dulios in the Greek. It means slave. Blessed is that blessed is that slave. That's almost an oxymoron. How can you be a blessed slave? Because slave in the New Testament is a bond servant. It's a person who has chosen to place himself in servitude. It's way different than a person who's been captured and forced into slavery against their will. There's a whole different dynamic of a person who comes willingly of a pure heart and places themselves in servitude to another person. I am Kay's slave. Now, I know you're thinking all kinds of stuff, but I'm telling you that I understand covenant. I cannot wait for Marriage Covenant Weekend, because even just this year, the Lord has given me more and more things on covenant. I invite every married couple to come to Marriage Covenant Weekend in March. And I am in covenant. I know that what I did was Steve Castle covenanted with Kay to serve her the rest of my life. And if I get nothing and she gets every desire of her heart, it would be the greatest life I could ever possibly live which is totally contrary to the average person and how they live their life because they live their life about all the things they can get for them and they get married to someone who's going to make them better. A lot of uh, guys, especially a lot of guys, what they're trying to do is they're trying to marry their live-in hooker. And by live-in, you're still paying her to clean the house. Right? I worked all day. You get my paycheck. You better have a warm meal for me when I get home. You better wash all my clothes. And you, Lord knows when we get to the bedroom, you better be, uh-huh, because I'm paying for it. That's not covenant. That's disgusting. Especially when you recognize that woman, guys, when you recognize that woman is God's daughter. And that's how you're treating her. We're going to get there in a second. The Lord doesn't, he doesn't smile too kindly on that attitude. 
whom the Lord will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, finds doing that. Faithful. They're actually doing what the Lord expects them to do. I got to move on. Of a truth, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. You read a statement like that. Okay, so he gets to be ruler over everything because he was doing what he was told to do? (laughs) This is not okay in today's society. In today's society, you do one good thing and we need to throw you a thank you party and give you a bonus and you get cards and everybody has to gather around you and pat you on the back. The Lord doesn't do the same thing. He He doesn't sit around and like appreciate you all day long. Those of you that know me, like you know, there's no birthdays in the Bible. Only you are so self-centered that you you got to have somebody celebrate the day you were born. I got news for you: your mom wasn't super celebrating that day, and she was way more engaged. The fact that we literally live in a society that you have to celebrate me. Today's my day. Celebrate me. Do great things for me. Buy me gifts. Make me feel awesome. And now literally, I was sitting in a a church service one day when the preacher uh, got up and said, Wow, I'm such a great guy that I literally have a birthday month. My wife gets gifts every day of the month. I do things for her every day of the month. And I'm like, man, your wife is the most self-centered little Bless her darling heart. (laughs) This is... If I live the rest of my life and nobody appreciates me, I don't get any presents, I don't get any cards, I don't get anybody sending me awesome text messages, I don't get... If the only thing I get is living my entire life, giving, serving, slaving, spending, and being spent... If the only thing I get is the Lord's appreciation when I cross the finish line. i got news for you. He's got about a trillion years to show me how much he appreciated that. So why would I give a rip about the 40 here? And most people can't think that way. He will make him a ruler over all. Why all? Because finding a faithful person actually doing what they were asked to do. My kids uh, heard all the time. Obedience is better than sacrifice. All the time. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Just doing the thing that you're asked to do of the Lord or the person that the Lord's putting in your... Just do that. Because here's the reason. People don't. Well, I'm going to do it better than how you get it. Okay, thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Now you just didn't do what I needed you to do, and it didn't get done. Well, you know, Steve's not smart enough to really pastor this church. I'll help him out. I'll tell him. I'll tell all the people that I know what Steve really meant when he said that thing. Thank you. I needed you. Just being faithful. I spent... Kay and I spent, when we went to Texas, the first seven years, we spent basically day and night every chance we had serving. We served in our church. We served at the Bible College. 
every day, day and night. Not one time were we ever really appreciated by anybody. In fact, our pastor, that he was our pastor for about six years, the first six of the seven years was our, our pastor, we'd never been to his house. We had never had a meal with him. And it was a church about this size. It wasn't, that, it wasn't like some mega church, and so obviously. I mean, we spent six years serving them. I mean, we were at that church oftentimes six days a week. Nonstop servant. We, we weren't doing it to get appreciated by him. We were doing it to be faithful. Faithful. Faithfulness. You know how rare faithful is? If you don't know, guess what the divorce rate is? You literally, man, how can I say it? Faithful. Is not something most people sit around thinking about becoming. Most people are conniving and looking for ways to not be faithful. How can I cheat my employer out of five extra minutes? Can I go into the bathroom for 15 minutes and check my phone? What if I steal this pen? They'll never know about it. They got lots of money. You know, what it, this, this happened all the time when I was in the corporate world. The guys, uh, the married guys. Well, what your wife don't know, she don't know. How about this one? Looking ain't touching. The exact opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus literally said, looking is touching. We're always looking for ways to cheat faithfulness instead of just going in and serving. Just doing what we're asked to do by the Lord, by people that God has placed in our lives. Just doing the humble thing. Uh, I was just listening to uh, Rick McFarland. He's a pastor in Colorado Springs and he does stuff with Karis. He spent 12 years as the singles pastor and never got any appreciation, never got any promotion, never just served. And he was married for like eight of the 12 years as the singles pastor. And went to the Lord after year four. Lord, I think I'm ready. Lord said, you just be faithful. He said, okay. Went to the Lord after eight years. Lord, I, you know, I'm pretty sure I can handle a little. You just be faithful. Twelve years. What if the Lord came to you and said, hey, I've got this great, awesome, amazing destiny for you, and I need, to, I need you to be really, really humble and faithful for the next 20 years to make that happen. You know what the average person would say? I'm out of here. Because, you know, I can go work at McDonald's, and I'll be the manager in six days. <laughs> right? The world, the world, Satan will promote me a lot faster than you will, Lord. He'll give me stuff like right away. You're right. And you will not be Lord over all that he has. You will not be ruler over all that he has. Faithful. The definition of faithful. This is out of the Webster 16, 18. Or 18, 16. uh, Firm in adherence to the truth and to the duties of religion. Firm. You don't find a lot of people firm. 
they get blown about by every wind and wave of doctrine and wind and wave of news. And, you know, this is how you should be. How many people convince people how to be the way that they are and they're failing? This this always shocks me. Uh, I'll just use in the church example. There's been people that um, didn't get healed, didn't get blessed in this church. And told all the other people that this church is the reason they didn't get healed, didn't get blessed. And those people quit and didn't get healed and didn't get blessed. And they're like shocked. I'm like, you got discipled by people who were not manifesting the kingdom. And I can show you, I mean, there's, if I said raise your hand, if, if the Lord's done something awesome and since you've been here, the, the, most of the room would raise their hands. Healings and, and people being rescued and, and marriages and, and all kinds of stuff in this room. And it's amazing how many people will get mad and not manifest stuff and quit and take people and say, here, let me tell you how to quit and not manifest the kingdom. And they think that's a better choice. Shocking. But it happens all the time. Firmly adhering to duty of true fidelity. Fidelity means devotedness. Devotion today, being devoted is a punchline to a joke. Oh, you're devoted to them? (laughs) Aren't you an idiot? Loyal. When's the last time you heard that word in regular conversation? Loyal. This is the Lord's definition of faithful. Being loyal to someone. There are people in this room... You, I will guarantee there are people in this room that you won't say a word about them in my presence. I'll guarantee it. Because you'll either get rebuked or you'll be spitting out teeth, depending on what you're saying. You will not, because I am loyal to those people, to the death if necessary. And you know, people don't live that way anymore. There used to be a time in our nation where you could shake someone's hand and say, hey, I'll do this. Hey, I'll be there when you need me. If you call me, I'll show up. In fact, when we went through all the stuff that we had, there was multiple people in my life that said, you know, Pastor, I'd take a bullet for you. I'd go anywhere. I'd go to jail for you. And then when I almost went to jail, guess where they went? I think we'd be called by God to start another church. Oh, yeah, look how that worked. Amen. You know, it's really easy being married when everything's awesome. You got all the money and... All of her parts are perfect, and and she tells you how awesome you are all the time, and and there's no in-laws. <laughs> you know what takes loyalty, devotedness, allegiance, faithfulness? It's pushing through the hard things. It's when it doesn't work. It's when you disagree. It's when you don't like the stuff. Anybody can submit when they're getting what they want. That's why submission is not done. The Lord of that servant will come, verse 46, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looks not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder. And will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. The Lord 
looks at unbelievers and unfaithfulness equally. Man, I hope you let that settle. Unbelieving and being unfaithful are equal in the Lord's heart. Because if you believe someone, you'll be faithful to them. If you trust someone, you'll be loyal. I trust Kay with everything. It says in Proverbs 31, uh, my wife is definitely a a Proverbs 31 woman, and it says her husband's heart doth safely trust in her. I know it's kind of King James, but what that means is I can tell her anything. I can tell her if I'm struggling. I can tell her stuff that's going on. I can tell her stuff that people have done or said to me. I can trust her. With, she wouldn't turn around and say, well, you know, you told me that one thing six months ago. Wham! Beat me up over it. She would never do that. Neither would Jesus. You can safely trust in Jesus. He's not going to say, well, remember that stupid sin you did four years? Mm-hmm. I remember. He doesn't remember our faults. Agape, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, it says that agape keeps no record of wrongs. All of you in here that are keeping records of wrongs on those people that you quote-unquote love, that ain't love. That's satanic. Satan keeps record of wrongs because he's the accuser of the brethren. So if you're, if you're keeping a record of wrong and you're using it to accuse someone, that is satanic. Amen. Good word, Pastor. No, really. Verse 47, And that servant which knew his Lord's, his Lord's will and prepared himself, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Amen. How many have you have that on your refrigerator? But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. You know, one of the principles in the kingdom is somebody who's really, quote-unquote, busy doing things in the kingdom are going to be asked to do more. So if you're not being asked to do things in the kingdom, I just identified your problem. When we went through the, the stuff that we went through, and we started to get on the winning side, praise Jesus, I remember I was standing out um, on, my, uh, on my patio, and I was staring up at the stars. I do that nearly every night. I'd go outside and stare at the stars, and just, it's quiet, and... And I was staring at the stars, and I was kind of like, almost almost kind of like war-weary. Like, Lord, I mean, we got, it was terrible for a long time. And just stuff, I couldn't believe some of the things that people said, and, and some of our the people that were, quote-unquote, close to me, some of the things they did. It was just terrible. And, I, and we're starting to get over it, and I'm like, I'm like, Lord, why did you ask me to do this? Because, and I said it, I'm like, how many preachers out there have more money? How many preachers have armies of lawyers? I can name you that I know of personally. I know of at least seven ministries that have law 
firms on, that are paid by their ministries. I'm like, I had no lawyers. I got no money. I got no big name people. Got no like super rich doctors that are punching money. I get all these, these reports from preacher friends of mine. He's like, oh, I got this one doctor in our congregation, you know, and he, you know, puts a hundred thousand dollars every year into our, into our church. And I'm like, hundred thousand dollars? Like money? Like we, we barely have a thousand dollar check ever. I'm like, man, one day, Lord, we'll have a check that's got zeros. Amen. And, and I'm like, Lord, why me? Why me? Why us? And I was kind of, I, I was kind of whiny, but I was also kind of like, I just wanted to know, like what he said. Because I could trust you with this. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't know, I was crying on my patio. And after I kind of pulled myself together, I'm like, you know, you're the one that made me trustworthy. And he's like, I'm aware, but you let me. And, he's, and then he said, and, this, and then I was undone. And he said, you know, if I can trust you with this, think about what I can trust you with in the future. I don't know. I don't know how to convey this. Because I know a lot of people probably just don't care. But there are a few things that I've ever heard in my entire life. that has been more impactful to me than that. Knowing that God trusted me with something and I was faithful with it and wants to trust me with more. I don't know who your guy or your gal is that would show up at your doorstep President Trump or the CEO of whatever corporation, they say, hey, you know, I handpicked you and I got this really special assignment and only you can do this. And I want to know if you'd be willing to do it. I'd say the majority of you would say, of course, because you have more honor and more value for that person and that thing. But when the God of the universe, the creator of all life, the judge of every heart on earth said, I gave you something and you were faithful with it and now I can entrust you more things. I don't have, there, there's, there isn't a grid that I have for what that meant to me. And it was because I was faithful. Those of you that went through all that with us, we didn't do it all perfect. We didn't do it right. There's a couple times that I was in the flesh, once or twice. It wasn't. A, it's not about being perfect at it. It's about being faithful. I can't be the perfect husband, but I can be a faithful husband. I can't be a perfect pastor. 
but I can be faithful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Let a man so account of us. The word account is literally an accounting term. I know that is shocking. But it means that you can actually count these things in their life. Let me say this. You're not faithful if it's not able to be counted in your life. You can't be internally, secretly, quietly to yourself in the Lord faithful. It's either accountable or it's not. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required. Anybody know what the word required means? It, it means what you think it does. It means you're not getting there without it. And this is why a lot of people aren't getting there. It's just cycle over cycle over cycle. It's some, For some of you, maybe it's a six-month cycle. For some of you, maybe it's a six-year cycle. But it's just, you, you go, you rise, you hit that top and you fall, and then it goes back down into the, and then you kind of figure it out, and then, oh, all right, I'm back to start. Rise, fall, rise, fall, six years, 12 years, 18 years. And some of us get so used to it, we literally create doctrines, right? The Lord will take you up into the mountains, but it's in the valley where all the growth happens. The Lord wants to take you through the Red Sea, and then He takes you into the wilderness. Forty years in the wilderness. No, they spent 40 years in the wilderness because they were rebellious and unfaithful. So if you're in the wilderness, it's because you're rebellious and unfaithful. Don't get mad. Read the Bible. It is required of servants that a man be found, 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 faithful. I can tell you as a as the senior leader of this church, finding faithful people. And we have an awesome church with awesome people, and I adore all of you. But finding faithful people. You can't even find people faithful to go to church. Let alone being faithful in important ministries that have to do with people's lives and hearts and futures. You think the Lord's going to entrust to you a soul when He can't entrust to you driving a car and sitting in a purple chair? Come on now. The Lord, you can't be faithful with your money? And you want the Lord to place you in a place of leadership and rulership in His kingdom? Of people and money? Is something that you struggle with? How about emotional stability? 
You can't keep your emotions right. You've got to live in drama and you're always upset and sucking lemons. And you think the Lord thinks you're going to be faithful enough to be able to minister into another person's life and bring them out of depression or oppression? What if the Lord brings to you someone who was completely traumatized their entire childhood? And you're, having, you're struggling whether you can be in a good mood or not because your favorite sports team lost last week. Are you following me? This is why many people don't have that opportunity to literally do the important real kingdom things, which is minister to people's lives. I didn't say like be friends. I didn't say talk because people get together and they'll talk about anything. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about ministering into serving other people, lifting them out of terrible things, watching people get healed, watching their souls get prospered. This is promotion. The world system is just do your thing. Live your life. Get, get your little house with your white picket fence and maybe you'll get out of debt before you die. Likely not because then you get a reverse mortgage and you put your kids into debt because you didn't figure it out. Amen. And then on top of it, look what we reward. You know what we reward? A guy who's got a good body and can throw a football. If you've got a good body and can throw a football and you can remember the plays, we'll give you a million dollars a game. You will literally be one of the most important people in the entire nation. When you tweet, kings bow. And reward, reward, and then and even God bless, even Christians will take that ungodly, and oftentimes someone who sold their soul to Satan. It could be a a human trafficker, a pedophile, and they'll put that person's name on you, and wear it around like a badge of honor. Look who I support. I paid one hundred and twenty-seven dollars for this jersey, and this guy can throw a football. And my mom has served people for 60 years. She's led more children to the Lord than I could even begin to guess. She pours into people's lives all day, every day. And with grace and love. And guess how many of those people are standing in line to hand her money? Somebody who's ministered to hundreds or thousands of people, lived her whole life faithful to the Lord. Barely anybody in the whole nation has heard her name. But a dude can throw a pigskin. Do you see how upside down? And we get sucked into this and miss the important thing. So, which would you rather be? The million dollar game pigskin thrower? Or the woman that spent her whole life ministering to the Lord and loving everyone in her life? Because I got a news for you when we get to heaven, there's going to be great applause for one, and one of the other ones are going to be ignored. You decide. Faithful. 
The way to be promoted in the kingdom is faithful. Man, there's so much stuff I didn't say. <sighs> Praise Jesus. I'm 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 ministering. Uh, that's hard to do right there. I'm ministering this because you have this in you. But if you don't develop this, if you don't push through, all of the plastic and the fake and the quitsy idea that the world has. As an employer, I can tell you this. The recidivism rate, the quitsy rate, as soon as one little thing is wrong, I don't like, I don't like the way the pastor said that. I'm out of here. I'm going to go find me another church. The fact that you can quit people like that tells you what your value for people is. Faithful and quit are opposites. And thank God the Lord doesn't have your opinion because you've probably given him some reasons to be quit on. Anybody? I have. The Lord should have quit on me a long time ago. A long, long time ago. But the Lord's love for me is long-suffering. So I declare over you that you develop this. This is already in you. This isn't just for the special few, the super saints. That just decides one day to be faithful and then they just, they do their own thing and they become the really cool, famous person that did the, no. This is in every person. Every one of you have the spirit of faithfulness in you. You just have to yield to it. Allow it to develop you. Be humble and submitted to that. And when you do, the Lord is going to say, Do you see my servant who is faithful with little? Do you see my servant who is faithful with money? Do you see my servant who is faithful with their time? Do you see my servant who is faithful with their emotions and how they spoke to people? I can trust them with more. And they can be a ruler over my whole house. And I want the Lord to look at me and see me as promote a bull. Instead of look at me and say, you know, i got to demote Steve because he is beating the men servants, beating the maid servants, he's stealing the money, he won't do the right thing by his wife, he won't talk to people right, he's always upset, he's a drama king. I don't want the Lord to look at me and say, man, I just, you know, he's fine, he's saved, I love him, but man, I just can't put him in charge of nothing. One will look at me and say, man, Steve is ready for more. So if that's you, I'm going to pray over you. And you can in this moment receive this. Or you can reject it. I mean, you can do whatever you want. The Lord's going to love you either way. But there is going to be a grace released in this prayer. I've seen this before this moment. That there was going to be a release in this that was going to be able to break some stuff in some people's lives. Some cycles. So many people live in the cycle of, of get there, quit, get there, quit, get there, quit. And this could be the last time you ever, 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 ever experience that cycle if you receive this grace. So, Father, for those that are 
that are receiving this, that are humble of heart, that are submitting to what you are releasing in their lives through your Spirit, through the Spirit of grace, for those that are doing that genuine and true, that authentic thing, to actually be accounted as faithful. I pray for them. The ones that are tired of the cycle. The ones that don't want to be known for quitting. For establishing their own kingdom, their own ways. The folks that actually want you to be their Lord and be faithful to you in every area of their lives. That this manifests in their marriage. This manifests in their finances. This manifests in their mentalities. This manifests in their homes with their children. I thank you, Father, that in this sweet moment that you're releasing that grace. I thank you, Jesus, that you purchased it for us on the cross. We honor you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please rise. I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.